0: from shout out to my old listeners hello to my new listeners i'm happy to be back and i'm really excited to share these interviews with you all i need to say a really big thank you to everyone that listened to shared and supported this podcast in season one i appreciate the support and the feedback that i received so thank you guys so much um, we've got a dedicated Instagram account now, so please follow us at bridging underscore VGAP pod. Bridging underscore VGAP pod. I'll be putting show updates and all sorts of like content there, so follow us and stay tuned. Um, that's how you'll be able to know who's coming on the show next and things like that. So when I began planning Season 2... I knew that I had to have So Medina on the show. So Medina is a singer, songwriter, and I think she is a very special talent. I've been following her since her debut single. I think she has um a great voice. I think she is a very profound songwriter. Um, she has a really strong musical background, and with the release of her latest project, Heart of the Heavenly Undeniable, I felt that this was just a perfect time for us to speak about her journey, and how she's really developed her sound and artistry over the years. This was a super fun conversation, lots of gems in here, and I really hope you all enjoy it. So, that's enough for me, time to bridge the gap with soma Dina. All right, so I'm joined by the super talented songstress, rock star, pop star, R&B star, songwriter, So Adina, my first guest Ooh. of 2023. Thank <laughs> you so much for joining me on Bridging the Gap. Really excited to have you on. You're Thank you. That I've, I've wanted to interview for a minute now, and I think this is like the perfect time
1: to, Thank you. to talk you. <laughs> I'm very excited. And yeah, I've never done a podcast, so this is my first. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, this is my first podcast. So excited. (laughs) Okay.
0: I mean, I always (laughs) love being like someone's first podcast. That's always exciting for me. So don't worry, we'll take good care of you. Um, We're going to have a good time. So the first time I heard you was I Hate You in... 2018 and that was that was your debut single your I'm here moment and I've told you before but like the first time I heard that song it was a real like wow like who is this what the fuck is happening like this song is crazy type of moment and I thought it was just a really strong self-assured type of debut so I wanted to start by talking about like the background and the build-up to that song how did you know that was going to be the one that you started with?
1: So I had made a couple of songs prior to tried. and I don't ever think it just was like the one or not the one, but um, the moment itself, like the process of creating it was what made me love the song even more. I made it with KD, Derek, um, And he was my neighbor. And I met him in a very organic way through a song I made in 2016 with my friend SB. And you know, when we even recorded the song, we recorded IHY with Apple earphones. Like it was such a different space to be in, but we really just wanted to make music. We made it in his mom's house, did all the whole thing. And I just enjoyed the process of making the song so much. And it was such an escape and like a release. And I think that's when I was like, okay, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm going to put out. I didn't have any expectations for that song, like, at all. But I've, I'm to this day, I'm still grateful for the way it was received, honestly.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a real, for me, it's one of those moments, like, it's a song where I remember, like, exactly where I was the first time I heard it, that type of thing. Because oh. I think KD is another person who I just, Feel is a really amazing artist, an amazing producer. And yep. he's produced a few of my favorite songs. But he was able to capture, like, this type of timeless R&B feel. Yeah, And then you just, you know, you did what you had to do. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm not surprised of how it was received and how, it, I guess, it really kickstarted things. But was there a moment after it dropped where you were like, yeah, I've made the right choice?
1: I think just from the feedback and like the people that reached out to me in the moment that's when I met with Lady Donley like people that I had never thought would reach out to me started reaching out to me and I didn't have an expectation for them to do that which is I think what made it even more fun but I just know that I' why I wanted I actually wanted to just release the song because of how I was feeling and because of how fun it was to make it. And how it was accepted, honestly, was so much because I didn't think it was going to be accepted in that way. (laughs) Honestly, I never thought, like, I ended up, like, I was being called for radio shows and stuff. Like, I'm like, whoa, this is a lot. Like, I just was trying to get my emotions out. I didn't even want to hurt the person I was writing it about or anything. Like... (laughs)
0: Did that person ever reach out to you? Did you ever talk to the person? Nobody knows.
1: It's a secret. Oh. <laughs> it's a secret. It's a secret. It's a secret. But you know, I was I was being a little bit petty. I put a voice note it. You know, yeah. I was just being young and free. But um I think after I released really it when I really, really started clocking, yeah, I really need to take music seriously. I really want to take music seriously in as much as I wanted to be like this place where I channel my emotions that was the song that dawned in lots of things dawned on me like the future started really dawning on me like this is what I want to do
0: you know? well, that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense and I think it shows the power of just making music that's like authentic to you that's that was like your truth at the time like you said you felt free you're having a good time making it and I feel like that really translates in music. Like you can tell when an artist is having a good time making the music. And I think that's also part of like why it's received so well. So yeah, I think, I think I'm think i glad you dropped it. And I think it's just a song that even someone listening now, go back and listen to it. And it's like, it still holds up today. It's really good. Yeah,
1: I'm proud. I'm proud of that one. <laughs>
0: Oh, you should be. You definitely should be. Shout out to KD as well.
1: Shout out to KD for real. He, first person that took a chance on me, like, and really, really believed, like...
0: No, that's, those people are always so important. Like, you always need at so, least one person who just, like, you can do this thing.
1: You can do this thing. Kept pushing me. I really feel like he even believed in me more than I believed in myself at the time, you know? He really, really, really believed in me. Because I knew I was a good singer, but he had, like, so much backbone, like, he was really, I don't want to make it like, oh, he was such a fan, but he was, like, a fan of me, and yeah. as much as like he was a friend within me, like,
0: yeah,
1: and those are the type of people that, from the get-go, you kind of need,
0: oh, for sure, those are my favorite type of people, people who aren't afraid, like you said, to be a fan, because the people will be like, no, I'm too cool for that, but,
2: yeah, I think I really
0: when like you can really commit and be like, yeah, I believe in you, like, I'm going to support you, it's so, I mean, look how it's really sparked everything that sort of everything, going on. Everything,
2: literally.
0: literally. <laughs> so, you didn't grow up in Nigeria. You were born there, but you didn't grow up there. Grew up in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, were there like aspects of growing up in the Netherlands that you feel have influenced your artistry today?
1: I think I remember so much of my life in the Netherlands. So much of it. And who I was, um, it's a very liberal place. So naturally, I think I grew up in a very, I don't want to say a liberal household, but in a liberal society. And I wasn't ever conformed. My parents never made me conform to an idea of what I should be. and. My friends never made me conform to an idea of what I should be in the Netherlands. Um, At the time it just felt like life. It's only now I look back at it and I realize those things. At the time it just felt like I'm just living life. I never, I wasn't super aware of like my identity if that makes sense. Like I didn't think I needed to do something a certain way just because I was a woman or I need to do something a certain way just because I'm black. I just did what I liked. And that's how I always grew up, like, just doing what I liked. I didn't yeah. have any stereotype. <laughs> any I stereotype think, no, no, but that's
0: so but... cool. That's so cool because I think that's really important just for like your formation as a child or just being in a space where you can be because kids have no idea like who they really are. What like, You just need so much space to explore. Mm-hmm and figure stuff out, and then that's how you eventually develop your identity. So I think even growing up in a place where you had that privilege really to just be free, that's really cool. And and it's, you know, it's
1: such a cool place to grow up, you know? Like, I actually think it's a very special, I haven't been there since I've left, but when I other places I have been to, I still know that there's something about the Netherlands itself, the culture there. Also, people are super nice they are so nice, like they are so loving and polite. Like the type of thing where like, you could be in a room with like 30 people in the Netherlands, like, if you sneeze, everybody in the room is gonna tell you bless you. That's the type of people they are. And that's how I grew up like in that kind of space, you know, Um, I really, really like, think it, it definitely affected my artistry a lot. And it's crazy how only now I realize how much it did.
0: Yeah. I mean, I visited in 2018. That's the only time I've been, but it was really just super calm. Like I love a calm like place. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I love just a calm, relaxed place. The people are like chilled, nice. Um, it was a good time. It was a good time. I'd love to go back. Like you I have to go, to go back.
1: Go let's back. do a trip.
0: Okay, let's do it. No worries. We'll go.
1: Let's do a like, trip.
0: Your first time back. That would actually be pretty sick. Yeah, I
1: haven't been back. I really want to go there. To...
0: So I guess it's funny hearing how you describe the Netherlands. So what was it like moving back to Nigeria and that
1: contrast? Um, uh... <laughs> um, uh... <laughs> it was something I love Nigeria because it brought out the warrior in me. So it's something that, I always love, but I I will be honest. Moving back was a huge culture shock for me. It was a huge culture shock. It was it's 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 very close to almost the opposite of where I came from. Yeah, you know, I came from a more like quiet, not very chaotic, very simple, very modest. You know, like the and Dutch people are quite modest as well, but in Nigeria, people want to be the best, which is okay. I I enjoy that now. Um, people want to be the best, people like things, they like fashion, you know, they like, the culture is very deep and it was a culture shock at first because I hadn't been in a, like I hadn't really grown up there so I was a bit different, you know, it was, navigating my way through it was, was definitely like, it was a bit difficult. But I one thing about me, I'm almost like a chameleon. like once I get into an environment, it doesn't take me too long to understand like how people work or how to make friends. I just try to try to give the love I can. And I did. and I adapted quite quickly, you know, I adapted quite quickly and it made me a lot stronger. That's one thing I really, really like about that about coming back to Nigeria. It made me a warrior. It made me a soldier. It gave me tough skin like really tough skin <laughs> no i hear
0: that i hear that
1: 100%. and um even just like the culture you know here yeah, people care about fashion a lot i always liked fashion growing up but it was when i came to tonight i really gauged. i want to dress yeah like, <laughs> i want to dress like people i want get to get you your to ret- toes
0: quickly yeah what
1: and, um, yeah, it definitely was a big culture shock, but it's not one that I will ever regret. Ever. No,
0: definitely. I think I think it's important to always be able to experience, first of all, like, your own culture and just experience, like, Nigerian culture isn't like anything in the world. And like you said, it made you a warrior, taught you how to fight. Like, to survive in yeah. nigeria you have to be able to fight and, no, rock and you know, literally. really go toe-to-toe with anybody that tries you because people will try you all the downtime, so I hear that so what music are you listening to I guess growing up in the Netherlands and then moving back to Nigeria how did your taste start to change
1: I think it's the way I don't actually remember what I used to listen to in the Netherlands which is weird and I guess it's just because I didn't grow up with like many devices and like my parents didn't give me soups I wasn't super like open exposed with technology growing up. I was also the first child, so I didn't have any older siblings. Like I think my parents were really cautious about like of the overexposure. At the end of the day, they're Nigerian parents. Um so the music I listened to was literally stuff on radio in my class. Um when I'd go out in restaurants, i pick up music very, very fast. So I would always pick up little things like that. And like Dutch music they play, they play a lot of dance music. They play a lot of pop, you know, around. I remember there was this like secondhand shop. My mom used to take us to to buy furniture. (laughs) And they always used to play such good songs there. It was the only reason I liked going because they used to play such good music, but it would be like Dutch artists, a lot of American asses, rock, you know, there was pop, indie rock. I don't know if indie rock was a thing then, but like indie rock, pop, the usual shebang. And then at home, my dad played, you know, John Legend in LOTS. I grew up listening to like Brandy, In the House, Sunday morning, Kirk Franklin, Gospel, yeah. the whole shebang. <laughs> So who did you lean um, towards growing up in the yeah. Netherlands, I don't I don't I don't even honestly remember. I really liked I really liked Asha. I think growing up I remember liking Asha a lot. And my love for her grew and I even moved more. And I liked John Legend a lot growing up in the Netherlands. I remember that. I also really liked like Beyoncé, you know, Rihanna, but honestly, my music taste and my love for music, like my yearning for it, really started when I moved to Nigeria.
0: So, what impacted it that really kick started it, I guess?
1: I used to listen to MI. I used to hear MI a lot. I used to like MI's music. <laughs> I used to hear Manico all the time. It was the first time I felt rhythm. That's just the okay. truth. I remember traveling once to Portacos with my dad and we were at a pool, and I really remember that moment. They were playing just atmosphere music. It was Nigerian music, and I just remember loving the rhythm. I never felt rhythm like Nigerian music. Like, I loved hearing Afrobeats. I don't know if it was called Afrobeats in the time. They were rapping to in, like, when I first got here. A lot of like, artists were making, like, hip-hop Afro-type music. Yeah. I really liked that. It felt like a fresh a breath of fresh air with rhythm that I had never actually really taken in before honestly it was when I got to Nigeria I my love for music was like a yearning it was like I felt something with music before it was just kind of more passing
0: no that makes a lot of sense because I feel like the music that they were making it here, especially at that time, was just like so high energy. It was really infectious. And like you said, they were mixing a lot of influences. So it's like, yeah, more traditional Afro beats, but then they're still rapping on it. They're singing, like they're bringing Western influences. And I think we've been doing this for a long time, but I, I fully understand why growing up only hearing Western music and like Dutch music and rock, but then Getting exposed to that is almost like a spiritual awakening type of situation.
1: Did you also listen to like Mandekua and all of them growing up?
0: Not re- Okay. So I was born in America, born and raised in America. And I didn't even move. I moved to Nigeria between 15 and 16. So like I already, I love rap. So like I already sort of developed my music taste in America. But then going to Nigeria, someone gave me like a De grincy um, when I first moved, so I was like, okay, I'll fuck with this. Then, it was just also, like, when Olamide started, so he dropped aniduru and I was like, oh, yeah. yo, this that is was, really uh, crazy. You that's that song really is what sparked, like, there's some wild shit happening here, and then WizKid starts dropping. I started listening is, to One Day Cold. though it comes time. out, like, I came at the, I think I moved at the right time, so yeah. I was there for, like, the beginning of Wiz and David Owen, like all these guys so I've been listening to them kind of from the beginning but at first I was sort of resistant to it where I was like, I didn't want to move back to Nigeria so I was like, I don't want I'm not going to listen to Nigeria, I'm not going to you know, but then once you get there, like you don't even have a choice you just have to adapt and like Nigel will just take you by force Which basically good, yeah. yeah, so I mean, look at me now, basically working in the Nigerian music industry so <laughs> it's like I guess it's come pretty full circle, but that's the type of stuff I was on when I first moved back. But awesome. like growing up, really, I was like Lil Wayne, like you know, Jay uh Young Jeezy. I loved Young Jeezy. Um just like America rappers, basically. That was my shit. Like TI. <laughs> um, but Lil Wayne was like my goat, like till yeah. gay, my actual goat. Like, I love that guy. Yeah. Man. I love Lil Wayne, man. I love Lil Wayne. So before we start talking about your projects, I wanted to ask, was there like a special moment where you realized you could actually like sing? Cause you can sing. You.
2: And it's like, <laughs> I feel
0: like people like that usually have some type of moment where it's like, oh, I have a voice.
1: So my, I probably should have included this, but when I was in the Netherlands, like I used to have a Russian piano teacher and I've learned how to classically play piano very early. Like my parents actually, once, you know, they I was the first child, like, and they had just left their home country. Like they were the first in their family to do that type thing.
2: Yeah. Left their
1: home country. Soon. So they wanted to really have a genius child, quite honestly. They made me do everything. And part of it was, you know, teaching me piano, tried to push me to sing, different things. I don't think they ever really pushed me to sing, but as I started learning instruments, I naturally just felt the need to sing. And I never had an awakening moment, let me be honest. Actually, actually, my mom's 40th birthday. My mom's okay. 40th birthday. My mom's 40th birthday. I sang for her, and everyone stood up and shared for me. I sang happy birthday, no, nothing serious. And... That was just when I moved back to Nigeria. So I'd always known, you know, I was pretty good. I knew I liked music. I knew I liked singing. I always wrote music growing up. Like I wrote poetry and I would try and sing it in my own comfort. But I think, yeah, that 40th birthday I sang and when everyone stood up, I was like, oh wow, I might be onto something here, you know? But I always thought I I could sing.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, that's fair enough, though, because you can, and, and, like, to have that recognition is also good, but I think it's even cool to have a room of Nigerians actually, like, proper cheering for you off happy birthdays. Like, yeah. You yeah, surprise. Have like,
1: oh, okay, that's that's fair enough, but yeah. Yeah, I did. Nobody ever told me I couldn't sing. Nobody ever really told me you gotta sing, but nobody told me you, I couldn't sing. And to me, it didn't really matter if I could or couldn't. I just really liked doing it.
0: Yeah. So I mean funny. that's the most important thing at the end of the day. That's the most important thing. Having fun is <laughs> the most important thing.
1: You know, nobody told me you can't sing or you cannot sing. Like I just used to just yeah. do it.
0: Yeah, I would be surprised <laughs> if someone told you you can't sing.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I, I'm sure my voice was so much different before. Like, oh, I mean, my voice
0: definitely. has changed
1: so much. It's is there huge. any recording
0: of this 40th birthday performance do you know There definitely
1: has to be somewhere and I'm, i need to dig it up all of this needs to it needs to be somewhere in some video film type thing i don't know yeah
0: documenting the journey
1: the i hope it. it's probably it's probably somewhere like because there's been so many moments i was in a band like there's just so many things that when were you in a band i was in a band when i was like 12 called one chance
0: Oh, that's a hard name for a band, actually. <laughs> that's a sick name.
1: Yeah, I was a shitty band called One Chance. and like the lead a, singer? I was the lead singer, yeah. Well, we were two singers. So okay. It was the three of us, and then we had a guitarist. I don't know if really that's a band of us. Um, I
0: think so. Probably
1: we used to pre- Yeah, it worked. It worked as a band. Like, we perform. We performed at quite big venues, even, like, you How know. What would you perform? We performed in Nigeria at the incubator, which at the time of the law it was like a thousand five hundred people or something crazy. Oh wow! Yeah, it was quite a big venue. That was the biggest venue we did, to be fair. But you know, we did a competition. We came seventh, I think, and we're the youngest in the competition.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, but they oh, let us so
0: cool.
1: perform at the finals. You know, it was really cool. Like, um, we just used to do covers, but we ended up doing our own song when I was, like, 12, <laughs> 13
0: oh. Do you we guys wrote, wrote it together? Before.
1: Yeah, we wrote it together. To be honest, the girl that was, the other girl wasn't thousand band wrote majority of it, but I sang.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: She wrote, like, most of it, um, and I wrote, like, the second verse, but I sang most of the song.
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, game yeah. is a game. Thank That's you. so wild, though. You've actually been in this, like, for a minute. You've really been, like... <laughs> performing yeah that that's so fire <sighs> i had no idea
1: yeah a lot of people don't know that and it's just it's just like such a it's just a memory in the back of my head but it always i i think about it a lot and i'm sure one day we'll find that song because we recorded it on a cd burnt it on a cd oh wow that's yeah good is <laughs> i'm
0: just having like burned cds but everything just... is just playlists now
1: <sighs> So yeah it's just it's crazy that like Everything adds to the journey,
0: you know. Okay, yeah, it definitely does. Like, wow, you've been planting the seeds for a minute, for sure. For sure. Okay, so your first project was Five Stages EP. And that project is one that's really profound, I'd say. It's written like really beautifully, it's performed beautifully. And I feel like it was written, of course, going through the five stages of grief. And I want you to talk a bit about what inspired you to go with that concept, first of all.
1: Um, That project, I'm super grateful for it. It was a medium, first of all. As I said, like to put a lot of vulnerability and emotion into like a space i was in school when i made that project you know i i've i've always been relatively like good at school but i don't i never really liked it i never i never really liked anything that has to do with like extreme routine or like extreme rules and like regulations i've just never been that type of person like I always want to rebel. <laughs> so school was just if it was just not always like the place I wanted to be. I always wanted to be somewhere else. And I wrote that project in a very very low time in my life. Honestly, I was it was a very low time in my life um while I was in school. Um and I don't even remember exactly what I'd gone through, probably like relationship issues, which now is just like when I look back, I'm like, wow, girl, chill. <laughs> it feels girl. like the
0: end of the world at the time, though.
1: Yeah, so he, but when you're like 16, 17, that that all it of was that feels like, the, it end was of like the, world. the end of the world. And um, I wrote about the five stages of grief. Kind of I wanted people who felt like any source of pain, heartbreak pain, even any relation to like losing someone it didn't have to be by death but just metaphorically losing anyone you have to grieve the process of losing that person and that's where that project really came from losing someone very important to you um and facing the consequences or the repercussions of that so yeah it definitely was some it was a hard project to get through it was a hard project to get through it was it was a lot of emotions but um i wanted to write it also as for myself to know that i can reach a point of acceptance i don't even know if i was probably at the point of acceptance i needed to be when i wrote these song for acceptance but i wrote it with the mindset that i knew i wanted to chase that acceptance i wanted to be okay i wanted to understand myself i didn't want to feel like losing this person is the end of the world and i didn't want anybody else listen to me to feel like if they lost someone it's the end of the world
0: you know yeah it ends on like such a beautiful hopeful note which I love but okay you said it's a really difficult process to get through so just on a more technical level what's your songwriting process like when you're putting these songs together
1: I've never really had a songwriting process like when I say and I'm not saying for any When I say I don't do things in a structured way, my mind does not work in a structured way. So even with songwriting, it depends on what I feel in the moment. Sometimes I can freestyle and write to it. Sometimes I write poetry and then I add melody. Sometimes I just use my voice as an instrument and make sounds. <laughs> It really just is, it, it it's there's never been a structure.
0: It's just what it is. <laughs> I can respect that. I feel like a, a lot of artists actually don't really have too much structure. Yeah. It's more like as it comes. So but, if you're, okay, let's talk um, acceptance, for example. So that's a song yeah. where, like you said, you're trying to envision hopefulness, even if you don't necessarily have it at that moment. Yeah. So, do you remember anything, like, in writing that song, like, how it came together?
1: Um, I knew that, so I, Brandy has, like, this acapella song as well, and I love the, like, simplicity, but, like, the purity of it. I love the fact that, like, stripping down the production completely from your song, I really wanted to play with the idea of just, like, my voice as the main asset, and because I wanted the vibe to be so pure and hopeful, I thought that was the best way so obviously the song was called Acapella and yeah, that's what that's literally where I went to like, it was just I wanted it to be pure, I wanted it to feel heavenly
0: (laughs) No, but like even I think the way it ends, where it's like the other voices start coming in and joining you it's like that angelic choir type vibe so yeah, I get it
1: Yeah. You're making me realize so much stuff about myself again.
0: (laughs) I mean, I kind of feel like that happens (laughs) when I end up talking to people. I'm
1: realizing things. 2016 all over (laughs)
0: time. It's the year of (laughs) re-realizing things. Okay, so even writing aside, when you've written the songs and you're actually recording them, is that still difficult for you is that like the easy
1: part? Um, now it's a lot easier. I'm a lot more confident in myself and just my abilities than probably where I was when I made five stages. Um that just comes with time and efforts and practice. Like I'm just more sure. So I think then it was harder. You know, I probably could not I was not even probably as comfortable sitting in a room with many people I'm recording whereas now i can do that yeah you know like it's yeah
0: so it's just that <laughs> growth i guess no no it makes sense because that's why i asked because i feel like it's one thing to write these intimate songs but then also to have to like record them in front of like a producer engineer or whoever's around that can be daunting because yeah. it's you're sharing a bit of yourself in that recording process basically <laughs> so I that's I was just curious to see how that impacted it basically with such like a song like broken for example where it's like we have hit the bottom and this is like yeah I
1: think I did broken with Katie right yeah I think it was with Katie I had already gone relatively comfortable with him so that was also some, one thing even to this day, I'm grateful for is that like, I've had people that have stuck around, like I've been able to become vulnerable with and learn to trust. And, you know, if I worked with Katie, I worked with him with IHY, we didn't grow just as colleagues. We actually, that's something we grew in love. Like it was a good friendship. I became more vulnerable. He became my friend, like, aside from also being my producer you know so when I made songs like that typically I actually broke in, I think I remember I went home and I wrote it in my bedroom so he sent me the beat I wrote it um and then I went to record it with him um it's not like that with every song but broken particularly I wrote it in my own space
0: okay <laughs> yeah I mean Like I said, even just the power of the songwriting, and I find it so interesting because you said you're listening to like a lot of John Legend, Asha, and Brandy, like people that also write really beautifully growing up. And I feel like you also kind of imbibe that same or embody that same characteristic in your writing. So hearing that you just have to sort of go to your own space to make that song, that makes all the sense in the world to me, that you just need like that privacy really. Yeah. but beautiful like it came together beautifully i feel like the whole project like you really did walk us through the five stages and i just love how it ends because it's like yeah you're still going to be able to come out on the other side of this so thank you for that project. I, I
1: love that i love that you still love that project you know i love that people still <laughs> to this day still message me like so i put it back a box.
0: <laughs> yo when i saw i didn't even realize it was off like when I was starting to do research for this and everything, it just started going back to the music. I was like, "What do you do? I've been, I just been bumping on SoundCloud still. If you're listening, it's on SoundCloud.
1: It's so, on SoundCloud, but I don't know. I might. Like, I don't.
0: I think you should, but again, like you know, 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 no pressure, man. no pressure.
1: We'll, we'll see. I just, okay. I just, I just know the emotion that that project carries, and I always wanted to be. I actually just like the fact that people who know know, you know, I just really like the fact that people who know know, like, and I'll think about it, but real ones know. And I also know who I was when I made that project. Like the people at the time, like you, like you saw me in that moment, Mm -hmm. you know? So when you see me now, you can actually appreciate me even more than just an artist, like actually as a person. You
0: know, um, I've actually really pushed myself. At least tried to. No, you definitely have. I think <laughs> from from five stages, it feels like over the past, I want to say three, well now four years, three four years that you've really been on a journey to just like explore and find yourself musically. And I know you've already been. You're dabbling in different sounds. You drop know me, which is like rapping with S god, and you know, you yeah, guys really gave my it girl. back to guys. <laughs> and then you guys did like pop shit of course. Um, yeah, you did, you did super Soma. And I I know you went to you went to LA in 2021? 2021. 20, yes, yeah, 2020, 2021. Yeah,
1: 2021.
0: I want you to talk about that trip and how important it was for you, just to explore musically and also like build up your confidence as an artist.
1: Um, that trip, my LA trip, I stayed. I was meant to stay for I think a month and a half. I ended up staying for three months. Um, and it just that was definitely the trip that helped me find my voice. That's what I would attribute it to. Maybe not even me as a whole. I think I found myself as a whole over 2022. But my voice, particularly, I knew that my voice was... I, I found out more about my voice, if that makes sense, you know? I had been doing r music relatively. Let's keep, let's keep it a book Like, quite R&B, you know, sing rap. Like, I didn't stretch my voice so much and it's just simply because I always thought my voice was soft I always thought I had a soft voice I always thought my music was made for very R&B you know type mellow vibes chill so when I got to LA I worked with Bosco amazing songwriter amazing artist you know she pushed me like a lot to not care about how I sounded. She just said, go onto the mic and just scream. Like, just scream. To me, it was ridiculous. Like, I literally thought she was crazy, but I liked that side of craziness. I liked that no one had really pushed me out of my comfort zone like that to not care about how I sounded, you know? And I did, I I screamed. That was the day I made, what do you want (laughs) from me?
0: Okay.
1: That was the day I made What You Want For Me. And um, that was, I just remember doing that and feeling, when they played the screaming back, it didn't even sound bad. Like, (laughs) it was very, very new, but it didn't sound bad. You know? It was like, oh, this is kind of decent. So um, I pushed myself more. And that was the day I created What You Want For Me. I some some of it. Um, the bass, the demo. And um, yeah, that was definitely the trip I would say. I found my voice. I knew that I had a stronger voice than what I imagined it to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's so interesting because around that time, so I think when you dropped Super Soma, I had no idea like what to expect, but you can literally hear, like you said, that you're stretching your voice, you're pushing it differently, you're squeaking, you're growling, you're doing like all sorts of just playing around. And it sounds like, I think you are going for this like superhero theme song type of track. And it definitely sounds like that. It has that persona. And I think it's really cool because you're able to take like some of the stuff you're doing before with like rapping, Mm-hmm. and then now infuse that out with like some of the rock stuff like you're dropping bar like you literally drop bars in that song and I don't think I don't know if people actually realize that because I was like she's spitting like literally like rapping but it's just in a different format and it's so cool shout out to Bosco for pushing you to push That's your awesome. voice because yeah sometimes you need someone outside of yourself who can hear you differently and be like yeah. you can do this thing you don't need yep. to confine yourself to this particular space.
1: Yeah. So, Even working with like working with like Asgo too, like you said, like that thing about cause she's like one of the first female artists obviously I worked with, dropped music with, and I did something different with Asgo 2. Like she pushed me in a direction that I didn't think I could go to, which was the rapping. You know, I had a whole rap phase and a proper, I was like, I'm I'm about to become some other rapper. Like <laughs> it was a whole thing. And um
0: it would have been hard. I would have, I think I would have enjoyed that. It would have been hard. It's
1: still it's still gonna be there. Like I infuse everything I've learned from those moments into everything I kind of create today. So even the music I'm making now, I'm I'm rapping too, but it's just like it's 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 what the roots of where it came from. Is those moments that I experienced, you know, from the people that I was around. And just kind of people pushing you to do things that you never thought you could do. And then being able to later understand that you can infuse those learning curves and those learning processes into your art. is just, it's actually beautiful.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. And that's how you end up with something that's like truly unique to you as well. Like that doesn't sound like anything out there because... Super Simple doesn't sound like anything out there. Rolling (laughs) Loud doesn't sound like anything out there. But they sound very, very self-assured. Like you sound confident on those records. And it's cool to just hear your voice do these different things. And you just like take on this this new persona where it's like, we can't even really define what you're doing musically, but it's good. Like it's enjoyable. Thank you. you. I'm a cartoon
1: character. That's how I see my life. No, for real, like, I just go about my day every day thinking life is an animation because it's like, which cartoon character do I want to be today?
0: I mean, I feel Um, like it comes across in the music.
1: (laughs) I feel like life is an animation, you know. Cartoon characters are so special because, one, they don't die. And, you know, a a cartoon character can't run off a, a cliff and you will literally see them in the air falling. Yeah. Ten seconds, but they don't die. It's actually true, yeah. Yeah, Um, castle characters don't die. That's more like I think super summer from that moment, like making a theme song to life. I made that song to empower a lot of people and to empower myself a lot. So every time I listen to it, I remember. It's like you have to just continuously looking at life in colour. Like, you can't stop looking at life without color, without, I don't want to say from a childish perspective, but from a very innocent and pure perspective. And that's when I say life is an animation. is a simulation. Like, it's, it, we're literally living in animation. Like, and you have to see yourself as a character that's never going to die. Just, like, taking new forms, reforming themselves, you know. Be whoever you want to be, like.
0: <laughs> yeah no I get you like literally just that freedom of I cannot be defined I can't be boxed in whatever I want to do today is not going to define what I have to do tomorrow literally I literally. you
2: <sighs>
0: so when did you start working on heart of the heavenly undeniable
1: I started working on it before COVID hit
0: so this that's what 2019
1: probably like 2019, 2020. Yeah, 2019, 2020. Um, i obviously did bulk of it in 2021, a big bulk in that LA trip. Um, And then I finished, I used 2022 to kind of finish it. So post-production, mixing, features. But yeah, I worked on it for like almost two years.
0: What I'm sure it went through a lot of different iterations. So what was it sounding like at first? And also, when did you pick the title? Let's start there, actually. When did you pick the title? oh i thought that's what you were going for honestly like that's
1: <laughs> i mean i'm gonna start saying that as a... <laughs> you Please, know, free, a because
0: that's what i thought i was like it, it just gives me that feel of a church
1: i get and it, it was, it's
0: really beautiful
1: it was like a kind of church that you just see on the road in nigeria like uh oh, which one do you go to I just of the heavenly <laughs>
0: exactly oh my god exactly yeah <laughs> So as as just a listener, to me, this project really sounds like freedom. Like, just doing whatever you want. It sounds like you're having a lot of fun. Dirty line. Uh, everybody bleeds. <laughs> Imagine giving a fuck. Like
1: yeah. Oh, we're not so swear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. No, I would have been, been cursing space. like a bitch. <laughs>
0: We still got some time. I have a couple more questions for you. (laughs) But yeah, it just sounds like freedom and just really powerful. Um, What was the first song you started making for this project?
1: Citrus Tears was the first song I made. Um, I made that very, very, a while ago. I worked on it continuously over time. we added extra production, but I think at the end, I just decided to strip it down completely and leave it very simple. Um, but that was the first song I made. And I think you can actually, if you listen closely, you can hear just how simple and, I don't want to say innocent, but very innocent my voice sounds. You know, I sound a little younger. I can hear myself sounding a lot younger in that song. Um,
0: yeah, I wasn't going to say innocent because you're talking about like, killing someone potentially it, but ah, not killing but you know no, season, no. No,
1: mind <laughs> down <laughs> but I that makes like it makes
0: perfect sense because listening to it is almost like being transported back to five stages it's just you yep. a stripped-out instrumental really beautiful lyricism and just like pure vocals yeah so okay citrus tears so you knew like that was going to be part of it but when you was it when you first went to LA that you really now started saying that's like where the rock influences came in?
1: Yeah, so the the rock influences really did come from in that period of being in LA. Um, it was also just largely also what the music I'd been listening to and I'd been consuming in that year. I was listening to a lot of rock music and I was also listening to a lot of Afro-psychedelic rock like from the 70s in Nigeria. I had never been exposed to that. I never even really heard much about it. But like in the past year, I was really listening to like, you know, Ebenezer Obey, like
0: William O'Earbore. You know,
1: William Airboard. That William was is my geo. Um, you know, Lejado Sisters, the whole the whole thing, the whole shebang, and I was really going quite deep into it. And I didn't even take so much sonically from it, but I just liked the freedom. I like the experimentation. I really liked the nature of like using instruments. Actual instruments and not programmed yeah. too much programmed like sounds. So I tried to like, you know, really reflect that in that project. I tried to use a lot of live guitars, a lot of live drums, you know. Shout out to the caveman for playing drums on my project
0: yo shout out to the caveman man shout legends to caveman. legends
1: in shout the game the um so yeah i i just really wanted that natural feeling that i'd heard in the psychedelic rock i'd been listening to you know we don't hear much about that there's not a lot of history or even like we don't hear much about how much they changed the sound in nigeria yeah. and not just even just the sound but like their fashion when i went back i looked at the fashion if you look at their covers just everything about them is so it's so like they're superstars
0: yeah and they were ahead of their time honestly like they were on some next level
1: stuff so ahead so i was just largely fascinated by that and i think as i got into that i also started listening to more pop rock pop rock rather you know punk um I just loved the culture, like even the clothes, everything like started it became I became very obsessed with it. And um that period of time when I was in LA, it just reflected, you know, all of it. Like I love rock music. And I found out in the end that my voice could carry it. Yeah. Music.
0: It was so, so cool. Like you're really pushing it. You're really yeah. like on I mean, everybody bleeds, for example, like you're singing and like it's it's um hayley williams-esque you know that type of just oh, full force
1: and singing and like screaming it's
0: like yeah yeah, it's so good <laughs> what was the song i guess you had the most fun recording um
1: that's an interesting question Hmm. honestly i think it was everybody bleeds because I rewrote that song three times. Okay. I was in the studio with KP. I didn't write that song with anyone. So it was just me, KP, and a guitarist, Corey, Cooper. Um, so I'd also been doing, I do a lot of day sessions. I work really well on the day. Like, but this was a night session, you know. KP hosted me so well. They like, came to his studio and they gave me the like, biggest ball of Hennessy I've ever seen. you know i was i was i was set i was set so um you know i wrote the first we did the first melody it was really fun the vibe was really nice studio was nice too um sag when i got in i was like yeah this is quite nice i like this i like the vibe kb played it he was like you have to rewrite it (laughs) oh wow and nobody, people, you know, people give you criticism. I, I, People give me criticism, and I try to listen, and, you know, I really respect when people give good criticism. But just the way he said it, he was short. He was like, you need to rewrite that. It's good, but you need to rewrite it. So I sat down for another, like, 15, 20 minutes, rewrote the entire song, re-performed it, came out, and he's like, you need to rewrite it. <laughs> So, I spent another 20 minutes literally, and I'm writing, I'm pretending I'm writing on my phone, but I was writing on my I was typing on my phone. Spent another 20 minutes going over the lyrics again, rewriting it, you know. But I actually realized every time I was rewriting it, it was actually getting a lot stronger.
2: Yeah.
1: It was making a lot more, more sense. And third time around I recorded it, he was like, this is a hit. Like, this is really good. And I was very happy that he pushed me to write like that. I was very happy that he actually told me, "Go back, go back." We didn't use. No, the that's a
0: real producer, not no, just for you. Real, know,
1: real. For real, being uh, even
0: bold enough to say like it's just it needs to be better.
1: Literally, like now I don't, and and one of the reasons that was the most fun session for me. One, I felt proud. I felt like I would grown. Whenever I grow, I feel very happy, and till this day, like I reflect on that session. So even sometimes when I write songs now, I imagine KP being there like, go back. Rewrites. Yeah, cool.
0: (laughs) No, that's really cool. And I think I love that that's like what makes it the most fun for you, the fact that you were able to grow and challenge yourself. So I think that's super important. What was the hardest song to finish in
1: post-production? Dreams Dreams was the hardest but it's one of my favorite songs and I think that's why it was one of the hardest because I had a very very distinct way I wanted my voice to sound sonically and JNK makes the project, he did an amazing job and I'm so thankful because he spent hours and hours and days and so many notes back and forth but you know I really had a distinct. I wanted my voice to sound like it was underwater through an electrical tube. That's just the truth. Getting someone to physically make your voice sound like that—obviously, when you hear it now, when I'm saying it, you probably understand, but
2: yeah. to
1: get there <laughs> was not very easy. Um, but that's why I'm just thankful JMK was there. He really understood. Like he he did he did the damn thing, man.
0: No, it. I mean GMK is one of the best of the business, yo. Like a true professional, true professional.
1: He did the he did the thing, like yeah. So that's how I wanted it to sound. I was very specific about that one sonically. Um, yeah, he got it. <laughs> well,
0: that's good. How were you able to select the features? So I think you had Lola, Chi Virgo, Caveman, Zamir, and Zamir. Yeah. How are you? How did you select those features?
1: Honestly, every feature was just very natural. I didn't pre-plan any feature in my head. Um, whereas maybe I might do that for my next one, but this project I just ended up working with people. So me and she met up in London. I just went to see her, and we ended up making a song. Um, Lola, I had an idea for what you want to be fair. I had an idea, and I wanted to really, really, like, play with, like, an alternative sound on a rock song. And I think me and Lola had just been exchanging music. You know, we send each other music all the time. She sends me stuff. I send her stuff. And her project had just come out around the time, and I just sent her the song, and she did that. She killed it. I personally believe that she deserves her own song from that song. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, that just came around. Caveman was just a random session with Odunsi. Like, I just went with Odunsi to the mainland, to the cave. I didn't even, it wasn't even my session to begin with. It was actually Odunsi's session. (laughs) You know, I just went, tagged along, because they're my guys. We made the song, and he let me keep it. So then it just went straight onto the project. Um, and Zamir, we had a sample for the dance before, and I just really thought that Zamir would be the best person for that sample. Oh, yeah, like, dance was,
0: to really dark. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, no, that's even Santi. Are you
0: serious? <laughs> that's
1: oh, no that's Santi. No way.
0: That's
2: Santi. I know. Yeah. I
1: never yeah really nobody that. knows that but Santi did the dance till you die
0: oh that's a bridging the gap exclusive y'all that that's nuts. <laughs> oh my god that's so cool though that he's even like in it. yeah
1: that he's everybody does that. so many people touch that project even if it was just in one way and that's what make made it so fun to make it's like a family <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like the best work is done in the space where you just, like, feel free and you're having fun. And this project, like I said, it sounds like freedom. You're just doing a lot of different things, and it's like, wow. You can can tell when someone is really trying to stretch their wings, I guess, and that's the feeling that comes across. And I'm excited to even see, like, just where you keep going and taking yourself from here. It's going to be crazy.
1: Thank Thank you. Amen.
0: My final question about the project. Who was that at the end of Citrus Tears?
1: Ooh, next nice question. That is my teacher from the Netherlands. Okay. Um, she was my year three teacher. She really probably is one of the first people attributes to welcoming me into music or a space with sound. She used to play guitar. She was Australian. But she would play all these every morning. Every morning, she would play Australian like lullabies and like hymns on her guitar in the morning. I would all sit on the carpet and sing to it. And I still remember them. I still remember those songs, like, Give me your home among the gum tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... I I I found her. Thank God for the internet. I found her and I just reached out to her and told her how much she changed my life and how good it was to even find her and see that she's doing well. She has a kid. Um, and she sent me that voice note back as a reply to what I said.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And it just the way she talks is so like she sounds. It sounds like almost written. It sounds scripted, but at the same time, not. And I was like, this is beautiful, and it made me cry, so I put it
0: on. Oh, I, <laughs> it's such a sweet ending, and it's really, I was always curious, because it does, you could tell it's a teacher, because she's like, I had a bunch of classes today, but I was yeah. like, rich teacher, you know, that type of thing. And I think that's really sweet. I think it's cool that you're sort of, you're able to honor someone that had, you know, such a big impact in your development. Yeah, shout out,
1: Miss
0: Levito. Shout mm-hmm. out all right so you and your manager chin you guys seem to have a really great relationship (laughs) but the listeners and viewers don't know like around this interview they've been playing around and just having a good time um i've been able to interact with chin in a business manner super professional great guy and i feel like he's been really instrumental in your journey as well on this process of you developing your sound so, yeah. how important has he been, and like the team that you have really? How important have they been in you, like you know, creating this project and just further developing yourself as an artist?
1: Um, Chin is my family, so you know, he really has believed in me from very early. Like, I met Chin when I was performing for Odyssey at hard rock I had met him actually I met him prior to that but immediately I got off the stage he just told me you're a superstar like I actually even thought it was like <laughs> you know no one really told me like that that directly and we all know the way is. he's super direct he doesn't beat around the bush or anything and he just went straight in and told me as I go off stage and and then I got home and then he tweeted at me like so you is going to be a superstar you know and just the amount of belief he had in me was up I'm gonna. I want to say a big word, but let me just not. It's you a, say
0: insurmountable? It
1: was, i was like I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce it right.
0: You were right there. You had it. You was right, had
1: it. There. You I right just, there. I should have just. I should have just nudged it. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, it was he's always been a big big believer he's always also been like the biggest fan and also taught me so much as a person you know I've grown to become a better person I will learn learning from him just organization little things that you know we might take for granted or I probably took for granted growing up and now I see and understand more He has really sat down to explaining lots of things to me when he probably didn't didn't even need to. And yeah, I think he's been one of the huge keys in my success so far and probably will be a huge key in all my further successes.
0: Most definitely. Most definitely. I love, you know, the type of relationship you guys have. I think the artist-manager relationship is so important. And I'm really happy that you have someone that's that like invested and fully believes in you as much or even more than you believe in yourself and is willing to do whatever it takes to help you reach your goal. So it's really cool seeing you guys work together.
1: Thanks, thanks.
0: (laughs) All right, final question, final question. I love to ask this question. So what advice would you give any artists or young person listening to this that might want to, they want to create, they want to put themselves out there and they're not even sure like what to do or where to start. What kind of advice would you give them?
1: I think start is a very important part. Like you can't procrastinate it. You can't, say you're going to try another day or you're going to try when you think you're ready because you are never going to get to a point where you feel super ready you know and sometimes you the things you think are your greatest weaknesses are actually your superpowers those are actually your assets I didn't realize that not being able to conform would be my superpower not being able to confirm at first made it feel like, uh I don't know what I want, or, you know, do why don't I have a voice? I asked myself that question, like, what's my voice? What's my sound? Like, but my sound is my voice, you know, it is who I am. Everything that I make and I write comes from a true place, and that's how sure you have to be in yourself. You have to know that sometimes the things that you think are your weaknesses are actually your superpowers. And I would say, focus on those superpowers, focus on making them the best, and always focus on growing as a person. Because when you grow as a person, it will always reflect in the art all the time, all the time.
0: Wise words, wise words. (laughs) So, yeah, focus on your superpower. Start, just put yourself out there and start. And um, yeah, be authentic to yourself. Everything is going to sort itself out.
1: Literally. So, everything is already written, it's written in the stars.
0: It is. It is. <laughs> oh, wait, I know I said last question, I lied. Um, <laughs> So, we're, we started a new year. What can we expect from you this year? What are you willing to share with us?
1: there's a lot coming that's
0: all i know okay there's a lot coming
1: there's a lot coming
0: all right No worries. i feel like i don't
1: want to i don't want to i don't want to take the ginger out anyway
0: no no it's cool i'm always like as much as you're willing to share i'm willing to take so if there's a lot coming we're ready for it and you know there's a lot coming
1: and yeah i want to really connect with the fans and make new fans and reach new territories and everything is always about the growth like it's always about the intention. It's always about the growth. And I just want to grow this year dramatically.
0: Right. Well, we're well, very excited to, to see how you grow. I know the listeners are very excited to see how you grow.
2: Thank and you, listeners. <laughs> we're going to
0: stay tuned and watch out for you this year for sure. You're always one to watch. Um, Thank you so much. It's been amazing seeing you grow from IHY to, to now. And I'm really looking forward to whatever the future holds for you. So,
1: thank, thank
0: you so much. much for joining me.
1: I'm doing, <laughs> we're both so doing
2: hearts right now. <laughs> thank you
0: for joining me, for coming on the show. Uh, it's been really great just to talk and deep dive into you, into your music. Um, if you're someone that's listening that for some reason has never heard a Soma Duna song, you know, go spend some right now. If you're a Soma Dina fan, go and stream Heart of the Heavenly (laughs) Undeniable. It's available on all streaming platforms now. Um, It's a beautiful project, really excellent music. And yeah, there's a lot coming, so stay tuned, guys. All right, thank you so much again, Soma. It's been great to have you on Bridging the Gap. Hope to have you back sometime in the future.
1: For sure. Let's do this again next year. Okay.
0: All right. No worries. We'll run it. We're running. Ready. We're ready. Right, thank you so much.
1: Yeah.